0: Welcome to the Church 214 Podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. It's so cool how the the Holy Spirit arranges things. Uh, Last week, if if you were here, you remember Kip uh, shared a word during announcements about um, what I'll call being a watchman of the house, protecting our house from physical um, attack, which is so important, what we believe in, Um, both physically and spiritually. We have an enemy that's after us. Amen? So we have to be watchful. Well, I'm so grateful for the men of this church. Um, Daryl is another watchman of the house. Yeah. Big D. Um, I'm so thankful for this man. Um, Ezekiel 33 says this, when the watchmen see the enemy coming, he sounds the alarm to warn the people, yeah. amen, and we need watchmen of the house, and, and the, the Lord has put something very much on Daryl's heart the last few years um, about watching and guarding our hearts and minds, which I, we felt was so important, we needed to share it again from, from stage and, and just listen to Daryl's heart, um, so Daryl, I'm just going to ask you a few questions, and you can kind of explain the heartbeat around this. What what is your heart for the church when it comes to protecting people's hearts and minds? Yeah,
1: well, thank you, Chris. Um, like Chris said uh, earlier, I had I have shared this before um, from the stage, um, but I really even God has just pressed it on my heart just to not stop sharing this, and so here I am again. And so I just want to read this vision to you, and I want to read it because I want to get it right. This is this something that Lord has put on my heart? So I have this vision that no person, no family and no community has to deal with the ramifications of pornography use or explicit content when it comes to using the internet in your home or your cell phone. It's unfortunately prevalent in our homes and within our neighbors' homes and our community, but I believe the church needs to step up and stop being quiet about it. That's right, that's right. And start helping people break free from this addiction. So if I could just take the moment, I want you guys to kind of picture with me the internet as the mall, (laughs) as the great American mall. Um, and so, we go inside the internet and there's all these stores, right? The internet is always on, 24-7, and it has a little bit of everything. Um, but as you go into the, into the mall, imagine there's all these stores that you can go to anything, anything you want. There's no, there's no blocks. And so, I can just walk into any store in the mall and just check it out. Comcast, ITV3, um, MediaCom, whoever you have, they just open up the doors to the mall. so You can just walk inside. So I, I believe this, that we need to do something about that.
0: So in this, in this mall, how, how, can, how can the church be helpful in that arena to guard us from yep. the stores that we enter?
1: Yeah, so we, we do this. Um, it's just a, a, something, again, this is a ministry that God's put on my heart that I want to actually teach people how to protect their home internet and their cell phones by using a filtering product um, just to s- filter your search results. So as you go out to Google, Yahoo, whatever your DuckDuckGo, whoever it might be, all those results need to be filtered. Uh, and we want to come alongside you as a church and do this. And this, uh, this ministry is not about shame, um, but about freedom yeah. and, be, and becoming the people that God has intended us to be. Um, I have this verse uh, found in 2 Chronicles 7.14. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and, this, and more importantly, I will heal their land. So, not only our homes, but our neighbors' homes and our community uh, can be healed. So,
0: good. so,
1: this ministry, who is it for? Good question, Chris. <laughs> uh, this ministry is actually for everyone. So, it's not just for people who, who said that they struggle with, or you have kids at home, and obviously, we want to protect them from going inside and getting onto the internet. But this is actually for everyone. Because I, I believe if we actually circle around our homes, set these things up, actually then tell our neighbors about it as yeah. well. Tell people at work. Tell people in the community. We actually start shutting down these websites, right? Because nobody uses it. So right. the traffic from Peoria isn't going to these sites, right. you know? And so that, that's, that's my belief, so that we all, we, we all do it.
0: Yeah. I love that vision. Just shut them all down. So practically, what are the tools? What does this actually look like?
1: Yeah. And so um, I would like to um, actually, as part of this ministry, is actually do this uh, with a home visit. So um, later on, we'll have a slide that actually shares that this is my contact information. But we'll start out with a home visit, coming to the home. It could be even a phone conversation or over Google or Google Chat um, or having you into our home um, to be able to actually show you how to set this up. Um, Do we have slides? I don't know. Maybe this. There it is. All right. Talk about that. Yeah, And then then again, talk to you about your, your neighbors and friends, to have them come to these meetings as well. Um, I just did this for a family here uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, and they invited people from their neighborhood and it was just awesome being able to talk them through that and just have that set up. So um, that's my goal. Uh, obviously uh, you know, we'll contact you'll contact me and we'll, we'll get it set up and I realize that there might be just some communication back and forth but um, the goal would be just to
0: Awesome. So if they want to contact you, how do they do that? Uh, right
1: there. Yeah, there, there it is. Beautiful. <laughs> Take
0: a picture of that. Yes.
1: So hey. this is the best way to reach me yeah. uh, to get it set up. And then um, I also might have one more slide up there. I don't know if it's up there or not. Yes. So these are the products uh, that we use. We kind of skipped the question. Sorry. Uh, that we use uh, to set the home. And so the clean browsing and Cloudflare for families are totally free. And so on your home Internet, you actually set this up for free on your home router and every device in your home is, is protected. So that means like a Nintendo Switch, uh, TV, you know, your refrigerator who likes to go out to the internet and check things out, <laughs> all that stuff is, is filtered. So that's a great when those are free products and that's what we would talk about on the meeting. And then for your cell phones, a little more difficult just because that thing's always traveling everywhere. Uh, a product I've been researching for several ye- years actually is called Custodio. Uh, it is a paid product. They have a free version as well. So the paid product is actually something I would encourage people to do, especially with kids. Um, you can put it on any of their devices, and it goes with them wherever they go.
0: So good. Thank so. you, Daryl, for being that watchman. And let's let's take this seriously. I, I think this vision of, sh- of no uh, Peoria region people, like let's, 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 shut, let's start here, right, because God does things regionally. Let's sh- shut some of these dark places down and let it start with us. So get a hold of Daryl. He has a heart. He has a passion for this. For, for seeing um, you and our families protected from the evils that are out there. Amen? Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Daryl. His spirit is here, isn't it, today? Yeah. I was just telling Phil, as we sang, welcome home there, I had this vision, because it's the story of the prodigal, um, Son is not just a story about one person, it's, it's a story about a father and two sons. But as we were singing, welcome home, I also, uh, to the prodigals, I also was picturing us saying that to the father, welcoming him home into our spaces, and in his heart, Revelation 22, is to be at home with his people. And so, who's grateful that, that his spirit is here today? Amen. So um, I'm pretty excited about this message. One, because I haven't preached in about three months. Uh, so it's been burning in me for a while. And we're in this community series. Didn't Heidi give a fantastic word last week? So good. So good. So the whole idea of this community series, it's an Acts 2 concept, and we're an Acts 2 church, but it's to give us practical tools of what does it look like to be an Acts 2 church. So our goal here is to teach some characteristics We won't get to all of them, but we'll teach four different characteristics of the Acts 2 church. And then practically, we're going to experience those within this this service here. And so last week, obviously, we talked about communion, um, a beautiful word by Heidi. And then we experienced a meal together, communion as a family. Uh, This morning, we're going to be talking about prophecy, prophecy. Um, So before you all get up and, and leave, because you're scared of that word, Don't worry, I'm going to break it down for you. It's going to be a beautiful, beautiful morning. So the Holy Spirit actually gave me the foundation of this word on March 5th, I believe. Um, You know, Proverbs said that that our words are supposed to be apples of gold and settings of silver. And and so sometimes he starts a word in you, but it's supposed to be released at just the right time. And uh, I I believe this is the right time for this word to be released over this family. Acts 2, verses 17 and 18 say this, This is what I will do in the last days. I will pour out my Spirit on everyone and cause your sons and daughters to prophesy, and your young men will see visions, and your old men will experience dreams from God. The Holy Spirit will come upon all my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. There's no one excluded from that. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are called to prophesy. Now, let me just clarify something real quick. There is, in the scripture, there is the office of a prophet, okay? Uh, and, and an evangelist and teacher and pastor and, and apostle. There's different offices. So you can have a calling to be a prophet. Not everyone's called to be a prophet or prophetess. However, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, everyone is called to prophesy in some way, shape, or form. So this morning, I'm going to be talking in general about prophecy and what that looks like in your life and my life. See, prophecy and and maybe why you cringed in your seat when you heard that word is because it's very misunderstood. It's been taught incorrectly. It's been abused in the church. It's gotten twisted uh, and misused. But just because the, the church the Big C Church has maybe got it wrong sometimes doesn't mean that we ignore it or throw it out. Amen? Just because something has been twisted and abused doesn't mean that we walk away and just ignore it. See, prophecy is essential to your life and my life as a believer in Jesus Christ. And I believe one of the reasons that the North American church is weak is because we have not implemented prophecy correctly. So what is prophecy? Let's talk about this scary word called prophecy. Paul gives a a fantastic definition in 1 Corinthians 14, verses 1 to 5. And obviously, 1 Corinthians 14 is coming on the heels of 1 Corinthians 13, which we know is all about what? Love. Love. And so the start of 14 is really the summary of 13. And he says this, he says, let love be your highest goal. Let love be your highest goal. But you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit and it will be mysterious. But the one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. That's what prophecy is. Strengthening others, encouraging others, comforting them. Paul continues, he says, a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. I do wish that you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues, unless someone interprets what you're saying, so the whole church will be strengthened. So as Paul is is making two distinctions from these beautiful spiritual gifts, tongues and prophecy. And tongues, which is a a mystery and a beauty of of the Spirit that he gives. We don't have time to get into that today, but it's very important primarily between you and the Father, between you and the Spirit, between you and Jesus. It's, It's a gift that we don't fully understand, it's, it's, it is mysterious. And that is for the strengthening of yourself between you and the Father. It's a Romans 8 groaning and a language that the Spirit gives you that's, that's important but yet mysterious. And tongues strengthen yourself. But prophecy strengthens the entire family. Prophecy strengthens the entire church. That's why Paul says prophecy is even greater and more important than tongues. Both great gifts, not diminishing tongues, but prophecy's impact is greater and wider. Get it? So what does prophecy do? We just read about it. It strengthens, it comforts, it encourages. Have you ever sent a text message to encourage someone? You're prophesying to them. Have you ever spoken a word of encouragement over someone? Some of you? You're going to do more by the end of the day. You're prophesying to them. Now you can prophesy incorrectly. You can prophesy negative things. But what Paul's talking about, what biblical prophecy is, is speaking the word of Jesus Christ and encouraging someone, strengthening someone, comforting someone. That is the very essence of prophecy. Revelation 19.10 says this, For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Love that verse. It means what he did before, he's going to do again. If Jesus did it once, he's going to do it a second time, and a third time, and a fourth time, and a fifth time. See, the very essence of prophecy is the life of Jesus Christ, is the witness, the testimony of what he's done in the past, in your life, in other people's life, and then proclaiming that testimony, proclaiming that word to the entire church, to, the, to others prophecy is speaking the words of Jesus, it's telling the testimonies of Jesus, it's declaring the miracles of Jesus. See, it's not as scary as he thought it was. That his testimony has happened once before, that his testimony is happening right here, right now, and that his testimony is going to happen again in the future. Just like Revelation, what John writes in Revelation 1, he's the God who was and who is, and who is coming. His testimony goes beyond space and time. His testimony breaks in to your past, to your present, and to your future. And prophecy is simply declaring that truth. It's opening your mouth to come into agreement with the testimony of Jesus to comfort others, to strengthen others, and to encourage others. Amen? All right. That was the appetizer. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we are so grateful for your presence in this place. And just like your heart welcomes us home, Father, we welcome you home with us right now. We know that you are here, we know that you are stirring in hearts and minds. We declare that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. That you, what you've done in the past, you're going to do right now in this very hour. And we pray for eyes to be opened, for ears to hear. You've said, Blessed are your eyes, for you can see. Blessed are your ears, for you can hear. Would you do that for us this morning? Would you cause us to come into alignment with yourself? that the ground of our heart will be soft and pliable, that it can be cultivated and tilled up by your Holy Spirit so that the word, the seeds, can be planted deep into soil and so that it will grow. We say that every enemy is not welcomed here. Every principality is not welcomed. They must go. Every distraction must leave. But we welcome your Spirit. We welcome your river. We welcome your wind to blow. As gently or as furiously as you want. We submit ourselves to you, our master, our teacher. Father, reveal your revelation to us today. Pull back the curtains. Make the mysterious things plain so that we can see. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, they can be electronic, but uh, turn with me to John chapter 4. I'm going to take a drink because I'm out of breath after singing that song. When I saw this, we're going to go to verse 46. When I saw this back in March, it, um, it just jumped out at me. And the Lord's been building on it since. John 4, verse 46. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. I want you to get this. So Jesus came again. Say that with me. So Jesus came again. One more time, like you believe it. So Jesus came again. See, there's places that Jesus have, has come to in your life that you might have forgotten about, testimonies of things that he's done there, and he wants you to know this morning that he's come to that same place again. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son was sick in Capernaum. Having heard that Jesus had come back from Judah to Galilee, he went to meet him and began asking him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you simply will not believe. The royal official pleaded with him, Sir, do come down at once before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, Go, your son lives. The man believed what Jesus said to him and started home. As he was already going down the road, his servants met him and reported that his son was living and healthy. So he asked them, at what time did he begin to get better? And they said, yesterday during the seventh hour, the fever left him. Then the father realized that it was the very hour when Jesus had said to him, your son lives. And he is an entire, and his entire household believed and confidently trusted in Jesus as Savior. This is the second sign and miracle that Jesus performed in Cana after he had come from Judah to Galilee, revealing that he is the Messiah. So Jesus came again. Who's grateful that Jesus never stops coming in their life? He does one miracle and then he comes again. And we're going to testify of that today. He came in first, or he came in John 4. My question is, where did he come first? Jump back a couple of chapters to John chapter 2. The wedding at Cana. We're going to spend our time here. It's important to look at uh, the things that God does first. Um, we had a whole series about this a couple years ago what God does first sets the table for what he does later on because he returns to those places. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, what he's done in the past, he's going to do in the future. He builds on faith in regions, in places. That's why you've, we've seen miracles happen in this house, 307 Oak Street, because of the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. He builds on what he's done here first. And he returns again and again to that same place. John chapter 2, verse 1 through 7. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. When the wine was all gone, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no more wine. Jesus said to her, Woman, what is that to you and to me? My time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to do, do it. Now there were some six stone water pots set there for the Jewish custom of purification containing 20 or 30 gallons each. Jesus said to the servants, fill the water pots with water. So they filled them up to the brim. Then he said, now fill your pitchers and take them to the master of ceremonies. And when they poured out their pitcher for the master of ceremonies to sample, the water became wine. When he tasted the water that became wine, the master of ceremonies was impressed. Although he didn't know where the wine had come from, but the servers knew. He called the bridegroom over and said to him, Every host serves the best wine first until everyone has had a cup or two, and then he serves the wine of poor quality. But you, my friend, you've reserved the most exquisite wine until now. This miracle in Cana was the first of many extraordinary miracles Jesus performed in Galilee. This was a sign revealing his glory, and his disciples believed in him. It's an incredible story. If you've been in church for a while, you've heard this, and I think we gloss over this story, but it's so important because it was the first miracle that Jesus did when he was draped in human flesh. Obviously, there are many more miracles he did as, as God Um, in the Old Testament. But this is the first miracle that he did as a human man like us. It's interesting. It says, when the wine was all gone, the mother of Jesus, Mary, said to Jesus, they have no more wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what is that to you and to me? My time has not yet come. Why did he call his mother woman? To... See, to us in our our Western thinking, that sounds really, really harsh, doesn't it? Like, woman, what's that to you and me? My time's not come. We read that, and it's like, wow, Jesus, that's a little harsh with your mother, right? Like, she's just wanting some more wine. (laughs) Woman, what is that to you and to me? We have to dig a little deeper. The word woman in Greek is the word gune. It means a woman my wife, or my lady. It's not a term of disrespect. It's actually a term of love. Fast forward with me for for three years from that moment at the wedding in Cana to when Jesus is hanging on the cross. He's at the point of nearly death, nails piercing his feet and his hands, blood dripping everywhere, a crown of thorns on his head, blood probably rushing in his eyes that were blurring his vision, a slow, agonizing, horrible death, The, the, the cruelest way for a human to die, suffocating to death, hanging on the cross, and he looks down and sees his mother Mary. And standing next to Mary, he sees his beloved disciple John. And he looks at Mary and he says, Woman, same word he used at Cana, Woman, Gune, look, your son, meaning John. And he looks at John and says, John, look, your mother, meaning Mary. Same word as he used in the wedding, woman. He didn't say mother, he didn't say mom, he said woman. It's a beautiful term of love. A few days later, he rises from the dead remember who he encounters first it was mary magdalene in the garden she thought he was the gardener and what does he say to her gune woman why do you weep it means a woman my wife my lady why in those moments at the wedding and and on the cross why did he not say mother to mary why woman Here's my thought. What if he's not just talking to his mother Mary, but he's simultaneously talking to his church, his bride, you and me, my dear woman, my dear church, my dear bride, it's not quite time yet. Do you still believe him when he says it's not quite time yet? Jesus, we we turn this Water, or we, we, we create some more wine. I know you can do it. My dear bride, my dear mom, my dear church, it's not quite time yet. He tells Mary, not yet, but then he does it. The hour hasn't come, but yet it has? A little confusing, right? Why? Right after he says it's not time yet, what moves the heart of Jesus to then respond in that moment? Because he does exactly what she's asking for. What shifts the heart of the Father in that moment when he says it's not quite time yet to actually make it the right time? Love. Love shifts a Father's heart like that. Love shifts A son's heart like that. Love shifts the Savior's heart like that. So he says, my dear woman, my dear church. See, I believe in that moment that love broke in the Father's heart when he looked on that situation. And I love the response of Mary. She didn't, when he told her it's not quite time yet, did she say anything back to him? No. She didn't argue with him. She didn't even say anything more to him. Here's her response. Her response was not to him. Her response was not to Jesus. She actually turned and spoke in faith to the servants, and she said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. She didn't hear Jesus say no. She just heard him say yes at the right time. This is so important. Jesus says, woman, it's not my time. Gune, beautiful woman, it's not my time, and Mary turns to the servants, and she says, get ready. Get ready. He's about to do something. Whatever he says, do it. Hang on every word that he says, because he's about to shift something, even though he said it's not quite the right time. I don't know when the right time is, but he's about to break loose. We might be waiting here for a while, but this is a, this is a long wedding. It's like a three-day thing. Let's, let's be patient and hang on every word that Jesus says. We can learn from this. See, when the heart of Jesus, when he says, No one knows the day or the hour, what's our response? A lot of times we're trying to figure out the day or the hour, right? No. When he says it's not time yet, it's not a no. It's not for us to know the timing. But our response should not be to go back to our caves. Our response should not be to have a pity party because Jesus says not yet. Our response is to prophesy, to say, church, servants, get ready, start listening, keep looking, trim your lamps, get some more oil, because the bridegroom Jesus is about to do something. We're on the precipice here. It's not the right time. Get ready, because the right time is about to happen, and we don't know when that is, so we got to be ready to, to fulfill the words of the master. See, when Jesus says not yet in your life, you should respond get ready. Get ready to listen because he's about to give instructions that will change everything. Do whatever he says, Mary says. Do whatever he says. To do whatever he says, you and I have to be listening. We have to be looking, like John look higher. Stop looking at the, the dates, the times, the hours. Look higher to what the Father is speaking right here, right now, from the throne room. Because you have instructions to carry out. So at the wedding, there were these six large water pots nearby. Could carry 20 to 30 gallons each. And Jesus, I don't know if it was a minute after he had told Mary not the right time. I don't know if it was a day after. You know, I don't know the time frame. But he turns to the servants who were ready and listening, and he says, fill those empty six water pots. Partially full? No. Fill those empty water pots to the brim. All the way full. Six is the number of man, of you and I. There's a reason the Lord used six water pots. He says, fill them to the brim with water. Your life and my life was not meant to just contain a few drops of Jesus. Your life and my life was not meant to be filled halfway with the Holy Spirit. You and I were made for fullness. Fullness. Fill the water to the brim. You were designed to be filled to the brim and overflowing. See, Jesus didn't turn to the water pots and speak a word. He didn't lay hands on the water pots. He gave instructions to servants. His first miracle and others carried out his instructions. He didn't say at some certain point in time, Water, turn into wine. He just said, Fill the water pots to the brim. And they carried out his instructions. Water became wine. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What he's done before, he's going to do again. What he does first is so important. Do you remember back in Egypt when Pharaoh had his hard heart and he wouldn't let the people go? Do you remember what the first miracle was back in Egypt? I'll tell you. Exodus 7. The Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, take your staff and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over the rivers, over the streams, over the pools, over all the reservoirs of water so that they may become blood and there shall be blood throughout the land of Egypt in both containers of wood and of stone. God repeats himself. The testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. What he's done before, he's going to do again. This is all an illustration of blood. All an il- illustration of blood that speaks a better word over our lives. Jesus' first miracle, water and containers turned to wine. The first miracle in Egypt, water in every reservoir, every lake and river, everything of stone and wood turned to blood, turned to wine. Both miracles re- representing the blood of the Lamb. The blood of Jesus that was spilled out for you and me. Blood that when applied to your life makes you whiter than snow. The very essence of prophecy is declaring that what he's done before, he's going to do again. And I'd never seen this until Heidi preached it last week in relation to the wedding at Cana. Remember she said the last supper, Jesus was telling the disciples, again, giving instructions And he said, follow the man with what? The jug of water. This is awesome. Follow the man with the jug of water. And they followed that man with the jug of water into the house where the upper room was. And in the upper room, what happened? He served communion. He served wine. And he took the wine and he said, this is my blood that was poured out for you. See, I believe the the father was saying, follow the water into the house. Water walked in, blood flowed out. It's incredible. There's so many mysteries and revelations of Jesus if we only open our eyes and see what he's doing. So back to the wedding at Cana. When did the water turn into wine? Again, Jesus didn't. Say anything over the wine. He didn't touch the water pots. The water turned into the wine when the servants poured it out. John 2, verse 9. When they poured out their pitcher for the master of ceremonies to sample, the water became wine. See, prophecy is an empty vessel filled to the fullness of the Spirit, filled to the brim, emptying yourself out to be able to fill up the water of the living Holy Spirit, and then prophecy is pouring that out. That's when the miracle happens. That's why it's so much greater than tongues, because when it's poured out, it impacts everyone. That wine, that water turned into wine impacted everyone at the wedding. That's what your life is designated to, to, to impact others, to strengthen and comfort and encourage them. So when you empty yourself of who you are, Allow the Holy Spirit to fill you up to the brim. Then don't stop there. Then you pour out to others. That's when the miracle happens. That's when a better word is spoken. It's at his Psalm 23 table. We've been talking about this a lot this year. But it's at that table that our head is anointed by the Spirit and then our cup is overflowing with With his his goodness. And when it overflows, it impacts everyone else at the table. It spills onto everyone else at the table. John 2.11. This miracle at Cana was the first of many extraordinary miracles Jesus performed in Galilee. This was a sign of him revealing his glory. And his disciples believed in him. I think his disciples knew Because of that miracle, they knew what it meant to follow the man with the water pot to find the the house with the upper room, didn't they? They knew the significance. And who knows? I don't know. Maybe Jesus turned that water pot into wine at the Last Supper. We don't know. There's many mysteries of God that John says (laughs) the the books in the world couldn't contain everything that that would be able to be written about Jesus Christ. Water walked in blood flows out. And that's why two chapters later in John 4, we can read, so Jesus came again to Cana, because he likes to come again to the places where he does miracles. He likes to build on faith in regions. He likes to do things again in Peoria that he's done years before. He likes to do things again at Oak Street that he's done before so that faith keeps building up, so that miracles keep building up. That's prophecy. That's the testimony of Jesus. That what he's done before in your life, what he's done before in others' lives, he will do again in the same region, in the same place, with the same faith. See, but all this is meaningless unless it has the first ingredient. Prophecy must begin with love. Prophecy must begin with the heart of the Father saying, Gune, my dear church, my dear woman. It's love that breaks prophecy loose. Paul writes about it in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but if I didn't love others, I would be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. I could have the gift of prophecy and understand all of God's secret plans and possess all this knowledge. I could have such faith I could move mountains. But if I didn't love others, I would be nothing. See, we have to understand that prophecy must start with love. And I think we've all been somewhere where we've seen prophecy, air quotes, that didn't begin with love. And we can feel the disruption in our spirit. We can hear the clanging of the gong. We can hear the noise that it makes when it doesn't begin with love. That's the difference. Biblical prophecy always starts with love because that's the essence of who he is. He is love. That's the Father's heart. It always begins with love. Love is what breaks prophecy loose. On Good Friday, we had, uh, we had a, our breakthrough service on Friday because it was Good Friday here, and I don't know how many of you were, were at that service, but I saw a girl that I'd never seen before come in, and she had a mask on. And the moment I saw her, I've never felt the love of the Father over somebody that i had never met before that strong from the very moment I saw her. I didn't talk to her that night. And then she and her mom, they came to the the Easter egg hunt at the Chiefs Stadium the next day on Saturday. And same thing, as soon as I saw her. Again, I didn't talk to her that day. I didn't know what her name was. And then Sunday, I saw her again at church. I didn't talk to her, but I felt that same, like love of the father, just like, and there's something the father is trying to get this girl with love, because that's what he does. Well, the next day was Monday night, basement nights here at the church. And I was leading that night. And, and for a couple weeks, I remember the Lord had been telling me, talk about faith. But he, he didn't give me any more than that. So I'm thinking, what is this about? Talk about faith. Talk about faith. So I'm like, I, I, I didn't want to force it. So I'm like, okay, Lord, you're just going to have to reveal to me at the last moment. Well, Monday morning, I think actually Sunday. Heidi had called me and, and said, hey, we're going to pray for this girl named Faith. <laughs> That's the moment that I realized Jesus was saying, don't talk about Faith. Faith is actually a person. We're going to talk about Faith. <laughs> we're definitely going to talk about Faith. And so Heidi and had met with Faith and her, and her mother and a few others here on Monday night in a separate room while those of us were at our 37th. Uh, basement nights in the front room there. And she said, would you would you guys pray for faith? And I said, oh Heidi, the Lord's been saying talk about faith, so we're going to spend our entire time praying and prophesying for faith that there would be breakthrough in her life. because I, I could tell, and I still hadn't met this girl, but I could tell there had been witchcraft, there had been a lot of strongholds in her life just by looking at her. And so for two and a half to three hours the men of this church prophesied and prayed over a girl that we'd never met but I can't tell you how much love was in that room the love of the father for a girl that we'd never met and we were still in the middle of praying about three hours in and all of a sudden there's a knock at the door maybe the door just (laughs) opened up and this beautiful girl walks in without a mask anymore Then Heidi said, well, would you like to meet Faith, the newest member of the kingdom of heaven? I think we've got a picture of that night with a few of us with Faith. Beautiful girl. Prophecy always starts with the love of the Father. Prophecy breaks in when there's love first. Why don't you close your eyes for a moment? A couple weekends ago, I was uh, on my face here up front and I had this vision of two simultaneous things happening at the same time. And I saw the wedding at Cana and I saw the six water pots and all of a sudden I saw this water droplet coming from the throne room it was a tear from the father's eyes a tear of love and simultaneously i saw a drop of blood coming from jesus at the cross and they the two drops the blood and the water they merged in the sky and they fell in those water pots that were full turning them to wine it was the love of the father the love of your Savior and your Master being poured out for you. And He wants you to know this morning that maybe you've never met Him. He's been waiting for you. This is your moment. This is the time. You can turn to Him right now. All you have to do is believe in your heart that He is the Son of God, that He died for your sins, he paid your punishment well what should have been yours all you have to do is stop walking your way and turn and start walking his way right in this moment you too like faith can become a citizen of heaven if that's you I'd love to talk to you afterwards and encourage you maybe you have met him this morning and you're discouraged see here's the thing he came to tell you today Jesus came again. And that place in your life that feels dry and empty, that thing that you're going through that feels heavy and dark, he wants you to know that Jesus came again. He came for you again today right here, right now. That the thing that he's done in your life before that, that miracle that you barely remember, he's coming back to that very place, right here, right now, if you'll have him, and he's going to do the same thing again for you. Jesus came again. and There's some in this room this morning that need to receive prophecy in their life. You need need to receive some comfort, some strength, some encouragement. If that's you, I'd invite you down to the altar. It's open. Alan Redpath says this, one of my favorite quotes, the greatest of saints are the greatest receivers. See, part of prophecy is receiving prophecy. Being that empty vessel that he can fill up to the brim somebody this morning just have a few drops of water in your jar some of you are three quarters full but he's wanting to fill you up more there's fullness available in Jesus Christ Part of prophecy is receiving the filling up. The other part of prophecy is the pouring out to others. Maybe you need both this morning. You definitely need both this morning. I want you to do this. I don't want you to focus on your problems, your circumstances the miracle that you need, I don't want you to focus on that. In this moment, I want you to focus on one thing and one thing only, the love of the Father that was poured out for you. To focus on the throne room of heaven and see the Lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world for you. The blood that was spilled for you. The scars in His hands for you the nails in his feet for you the way he was mocked and scorned with a crown of thorns on his head for you the spear in his side for you I want you to focus on the love of the father That no matter how far you've gone, how many steps you've taken away, that he's there at the gate with a ring and a robe, and he's waiting for you. We've all walked away. All we like sheep have gone astray. But there's a road back to him. And the love of the Father will lead you back to himself. Now there's others in this room that need to pour out some prophecy this morning. Maybe you're meant to pour out prophecy to someone that's up front at the altar here. Maybe it's someone else in this room, but I I want you to once again start with love. If there's love that's not going to come out of your mouth, if it doesn't strengthen comfort and courage, that's not from Jesus. But I want you to ask Holy Spirit right now who you're supposed to prophesy over and what you're supposed to say. And he will give you those words. when he gives you instructions just like the servants at the wedding I want you to immediately go and follow them right here right now we're going to take a moment minutes however long it takes to exercise this gift of prophecy to strengthen, to comfort to encourage start with love Follow his instructions. Let yourself be filled to the brim. And then pour his words out unto others.